What I tell clients is provide literally every single thing you can. If you have communication with the client, if you have the signature, obviously, if you have any proof that they're using what they paid for, provide all of that because you're just wanting to show like, hey, they're lying their ass off. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Leads First. Today on the show, I have my good friend, Andrea Sager, who is an author and the CEO and founder of the company Legalpreneur, which is a legal tech startup that focuses on helping small businesses cover their assets and get lawyered up and also helping solo attorneys build the law firm of their dreams. While working at a corporate firm, Andrea noticed the gap in the legal industry. No one was catering to the small and innovative startup brands dominating her social media feeds. As a serial entrepreneur, she knew firsthand the importance of building a business with a solid legal foundation. However, she also knew that many new businesses simply did not have the funds. That realization is what led to the development of Legalpreneur. Andrea is currently ranked number 12 out of 40,000 40,000, you heard me right, trademark attorneys in the United States. So she absolutely knows what she's doing when it comes to helping small business owners protect themselves and their assets online. Some of my favorite things about Andrea, though, are that in addition to running her company, she is a mom of two in Houston, and she is passionate about all things health, wellness, poker, and business. She recently placed 743rd out of 23,000 entries in her first World Series of Poker events. So Andrea is the coolest attorney you will ever meet. I've had her speak numerous times inside of my business to masterminds, both online and in person. And I am so grateful that she was able to gift her time to share her knowledge with you on the podcast as well. So without further ado, let's tune in. Hello, Andrea. Welcome to She Leads First. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing very well. Really excited about this. Oh, I am too. I have to tell you, I was thinking about you over Thanksgiving because I was in Vegas. (laughs) For those of you who don't know Andrea, you're a little like poker star, a little poker queen. And I was looking at all of the like, I've never been to Vegas before. So I've never seen a casino even. I've never even been on the inside of one. So I was looking at like the highballer rooms where they have to put in so much money to start playing poker. And I was like, is this what Andrea does? Like, is she in those rooms? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Oh my, I, it's so funny because I'm actually going to Vegas on Tuesday. Or I know this is Wednesday. No, this is Thursday. This is Thursday. So Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> Are you doing a tournament? Actually, no. It's just a group of poker friends. We're going to Vegas 
just to hang out and party and have fun. But I'm sure we'll end up playing poker at some point. (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. For those of you listening, if you can't tell already, Andrea's like the coolest attorney out there. Like she's not a regular attorney. She's a cool attorney. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a cool attorney. (laughs) She's a cool one, which makes this conversation even more exciting because we are talking about legal stuff today, but it's not going to be stuffy. It's not going to be boring. Andrea, one of my favorite things about you when you talk about the law is, well, one, it's not boring when you talk about it, but two, you're such a straight shooter. I think sometimes when we get legal advice, it's very like toe around the point, but you're just like, no, I know small businesses just do this. So I think it's so helpful. First off, before we even dive into what we're talking about today, I would love if you could just give us a little bit of your background about how you got to this point where you are today, where now you're advising entrepreneurs, online business owners, small business owners on their legal stuff. Yeah. So I'm a serial entrepreneur through and through. I started my first business in law school and I didn't realize that I kind of ruin my future in corporate America from that point forward. Because <laughs> my dream was to work in big law. If you've seen suits, especially lately with the resurgence of suits, I was obsessed with suits from day one. And that's what I wanted my life to be. And that's what my life was for a short period of time. I got the big dream job right out of law school. But day one, I was miserable. I was like, get me out of here. Unfortunately, I was married and I had a son at the time and my now he's my ex-husband, but he was staying home with our son and I didn't have any choice but to figure out how to make it all work. Well, I just kept getting more miserable and more miserable. And from that first business, I kept having small businesses come to me and ask for help, which was great. It was a sign that I needed to be doing something else. And it was a sign that I felt like I would have business going out on my own. But of course, we never know for sure. And if you're anybody that's likes to be in tune with the universe, like myself, I wasn't exactly listening to the nudges like I was, but I was married and he was not on board with anything I wanted to do. And then one beautiful sunny day in April, they fired me. <laughs> no. <laughs> They did. I always say I manifested getting fired because I'm like five minorities rolled into one. So I knew if I got fired, they would have to pay me a severance package. And I can't even tell you how many things aligned so beautifully to get fired because I was literally, I was two days before that I was going to quit. And my ex, our house was already for sale. We wanted to move across the country. And he said, well, why don't you just wait until we have a contract on the house? That way we know it's going to sell. And I was like, you know what? That's perfectly fine. I can wait until we have a contract. And then two days later, they came in, fired me, offered me a severance package. And then that night I opened my law firm and I had my first client that night, which was so cool. I was like, oh my God, this is so easy, which is not Ah. that easy. (laughs) (laughs) But we can dream. Yes. It gave me the momentum. And I honestly, I think it gave my husband the confidence at the time too, to kind of believe in me because he did not believe in me, but it was enough. So that way we could survive the next couple of years. But anyways, fast forward, started my own firm. I actually grew really quickly and I did really well. And I just love supporting small businesses because I saw when, so this was at the time of like the retail apocalypse when I was working in big law. So everywhere on the news, it's like retail's dying, retail apocalypse, malls are dead. But my first business was a women's clothing boutique. And I saw a completely opposite story. I was like, boutiques are booming. People are still shopping. They're just not shopping with big box stores. They're shopping with small businesses. So I kind of saw this other side of it where it was like, it's not 
retail that's dying. It's this big corporate experience that's dying. People want to work with people. And so I see this boom of small businesses coming. And so I really bet on that. And luckily I did because I've done really, really well. And I'm so fortunate to have done everything that I've done. And at the end of 2021, so by this time we had Legal Printingware, the brand, and it was a side hustle at the time selling like DIY contracts, DIY products. At the end of 2021, I decided to go all in with Legal Printingware and really build that platform out. So we really slowed down the law firm after that and really uh, went all in with Legal Printingware. And now it's just, we're now balancing the two and... <laughs> doing even more, but you know, who's not always doing more, but it's so much fun. I honestly, I feel so honored that so many small businesses have trusted me. And I just remember when I left big law, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I just want to be a great trademark attorney for small businesses. And what's really cool that earlier this year in October, I was named the number 12th or ranked the number 12th trademark attorney in the United States out of 40,000. I was going to say, make sure you tell them out of how many, because that's so crazy. And it's so crazy because I'm honestly, I am still really young as an attorney, but I just always went against the grain when other attorneys were telling me, you're never going to make it just as a trademark attorney. You're never just going to be able to serve small businesses. You're never going to be able to just do this or just do that. And I was like, "Mm, watch me. And I just wholeheartedly believed in small businesses and wanted to help them so much from day one. And I think small businesses saw that in me as well, because I see so many attorneys now that are trying to do what I've done. And not that they can't do it, but I don't think they're doing it for the right reasons. They're not doing it for the same reasons that I wanted to. They're like, oh, I'll just open up shop and watch all these small businesses come to me. No, like I truly have been in the business of serving. I've been in the business of helping small businesses. They're just hoping to make a quick buck and, you know, do this or do that. But I really have just made it my mission to just serve small businesses. And I've been fortunate enough to be blessed in so many different ways. And that's what I love doing. That's my background. Man, well, as a small business owner who can feel your heart-centered approach, I want to say we are so lucky to have you. I'll speak for all of us when I say that. But also I'm laughing at like the universe being like, you're supposed to do this and you're not listening or doing it fast enough. So I'm just going to take everything away. So you have to do it. But then I'll be nice and give you a client. Oh, 100%. Well, the thing is, my ex-husband and I had two completely different experiences that day. I saw that as the greatest day of my entire life because I was wanting to quit so badly, but I couldn't. I literally had no choice because he wasn't making any money. We had no choice. And he saw me getting fired as like the worst thing that could ever happen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we just got this windfall of a severance package. And I believe in myself. I know that I can make it on my own. And it would be nice to have a little support. But I I really did see that as the greatest day of my life because I just, I didn't see how I could quit without having another option. And then I I literally just had to be forced out and then like, oh, great, perfect. I can make this work now. Yeah. I mean, talk about a gift of like, hello, here's a severance package. You thought you were going to have to do this all on your own, but now here's a little something to tie you over, right? So I'm with you. Blessing in disguise always. And testament to your entrepreneurial spirit too, of you're like, okay, great. Now I can make this work. So 
However we got here, I am so glad that we are here and that you are here helping small businesses because, oh my gosh, we really need it. All of this legal stuff, when you are not familiar with it, can feel so overwhelming. Even just before we hopped on this call, I was like, Andrea, I need to talk to you about something new that I'm doing. I need some advice. Like, please help me. So Andrea is going to walk us through the basics today. You're going to walk us through the fundamentals of the things that we really need to know as small business owners. We're talking about entities, we're talking about contracts, and we're talking about IP. And so I would love for us to dive in with entities because this is step one, right? Like this is the most important piece from the get-go. So what are entities and why do we need to care about them? Yeah. So an entity is how you legally operate your business. Most people start out as a sole proprietor, which is just you operating with your legal name, your social security number. There's nothing officially been filed with your state. You may have filed a DBA doing business as or a fictitious business name, but it's not the same thing as an LLC. And quite frankly, that you're not doing anything illegal by operating as a sole proprietor. However, you're leaving yourself with a lot of risk by not operating as an LLC. Because when you operate as a sole proprietor, you and your business are one and the same. And if you accidentally do something in your business that can cause it to get sued, you're also getting sued personally. So if you have a house, a car, any personal assets, they can come after if they sue you because you're operating as a sole proprietor. And same thing, if you are driving down the highway, you cause a car accident, they can also come after the business assets. Now, to keep this separate, which is what you want, you need to file an LLC, a limited liability company. Now, I've heard it all. Some people will say, oh, wait, so you're making $100,000 a year to file the LLC. It's not worth it to file the LLC, or I don't have any assets, or I don't have any debts. I don't have anything that needs to be protected. It, forget all of that. <laughs> Just listen when I say file the LLC from day one. Because let's say a year from now, you get sued for something that happened before you were an LLC. Even though maybe in a year from now, you are an LLC. Well, guess what? In a year, when you get sued, even though you're an LLC, you don't get that protection because you were not an LLC at the time the act happened. And by this time, you probably have more assets. You have more things that are up for grabs. And so you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself now against anything that may happen or anything that you may acquire in the future, whether you acquire personal assets or you acquire business debt. It doesn't matter what you acquire in the future. The goal is to grow, scale, have more assets, and of course, have more freedom, have all the things. But you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself now from anything that could occur in the future. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And don't worry, I've got a bunch of questions on this already, (laughs) right to dive into it. But one thing I want to clear up is something that people keep saying to me. And so this is a question for me to clear up as well. But I keep hearing people say, oh, I'm set up as a DBA. And from my understanding, that's not a legal entity. That's just you're doing business as name. Is that correct? Yes, And they could have an LLC with a DBA, but if they say they just have a DBA, then they're a sole proprietor with a DBA, most likely. And that's really, like, there's nothing illegal. You can operate that way. However, you're just leaving yourself open to a lot of liability. Mm -hmm. Okay. So basically, if you haven't filed anything, if you haven't created your LLC, by default, you are operating as a sole proprietor. Yes. Got it. But maybe with the DBA on top of it, of you filed of, I'm operating under this business name. So 
other kind of fundamental question. If somebody's like, okay, I'm hearing you. I got to get my LLC set up. Where is the place to go to do that? Is this where we tap into our good friend LegalZoom or is there a better way? So I will never tell you, you can't use LegalZoom, but I will say there's better options out there. Kind of like Legalpreneur. We can absolutely file your LLC. Any option is fine as long as you get it done. However, I will say I've heard a lot of horror stories regarding LegalZoom. So just go with your gut. I will say we get it done pretty quickly. And one thing you want to be aware of, as of January 1st, 2024, there's an additional reporting requirement. So you have to fill out this form. It's called a beneficial ownership information form. And that's being reported to the federal government. It's open January 1st, 2024. If you have an LLC prior to 2024, you have until the end of 2024 to file it. However, if you file the LLC after January 1st, 2024, you have 90 days to fill out this form. So wherever you're getting this LLC filed, you want to make sure that they're also taking care of this form for you. Got it. So basically, if you do it by the end of this year, it's easier. (laughs) There's less to do. Yes, you have more time. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So LLC, I think when we talk about this conversation and you even tapped into this a little bit too of it's hard to imagine things you might get in trouble for when you are new, when you are just starting out. Are there some things that are like top of mind for you of I've seen this happen too many times where this is why you just need to get the LLC from day one that we can kind of walk through to make this feel more relevant and more tangible? Yes, which will beautifully lead us to contracts. I just had a phone call this morning with a client. So I personally do not sue anyone. What I do in my businesses is help you do everything to prevent a lawsuit. Whether you're wanting to sue someone or you might get sued, we're doing everything we can to make sure that lawsuit doesn't happen. It's expensive. It's time consuming. It's a ton of headaches that you want to avoid. But sometimes it comes to that. This particular client is owed about $8,500, which is a good chunk of money. I mean, rock solid contract. And this person really, I think they're just calling her bluff. And I was like, we've really exhausted all the options. So now we have to explore actually suing, not me actually suing, but her options to sue. And I will tell you, one of the options that people look at is, hey, do they have an LLC? So if there's a breach of contract, most attorneys will look into this business, this person, because if they have an LLC, they may be what we call judgment proof, which means, yes, we could sue, we could win. However, if that LLC has no money, you're never going to be able to collect on that debt, that judgment. So honestly, having the LLC prevents a lot of lawsuits. Additionally, if you are a sole proprietor, what an attorney is looking at is do they have a nice house? Do they have assets? Do they have nice cars? Like what kind of money does it look like they have? Because if they're a sole proprietor and it looks like they have money, absolutely we're going to sue them because they don't want to lose all these things. And it's going to go on their personal credit report. So even if they have a personal, let's say they have a personal residence, which most states won't allow a court judgment, basically you wouldn't have to sell your personal residence to pay a court judgment. However, there will be a lien. So if you ever sell that house, they're going to be paid. They're going to be paid from you selling that house. So there's a lot of different ways that they're looking at when there's a breach of contract. And when you have the LLC, quite frankly, it's going to deter more lawsuits because 
as a small business, you likely don't have many assets in the business. So yeah, that's talking about breach of contract. And all that's to say, don't be afraid to use contracts <laughs> because they will be your best friend. So my client that I was talking to this morning, this is a great example because luckily she did have a rock solid contract because we could be having a completely different conversation, which I've had with many different clients who want to just use any contract they come across. They're like, oh, I have something perfect. This looks like a great contract. But I've had so many conversations where they use whatever contract and they didn't know about me yet or they just didn't want to work with me yet and somebody didn't pay or there's some kind of breach of contract. And it's like, well, this is actually not a very clear contract. And there's so many questions left up in the air. And it's absolutely not worth pursuing this because any first year lawyer would be able to rip this contract to shreds. So not all contracts are created equal is what I'm hearing. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to shamelessly plug you guys because I use legalpreneur contracts. I love yours. It's a godsend that you have them. And I just want to open and segue into this conversation of contracts as well, because you would be shocked. Maybe you won't. Maybe you've already seen all of these already. I'm like, maybe you've seen the aftermath of this. But I've been in the coaching world for a couple of years now, and I've been in containers where women are making seven figures, eight figures, tons and tons of money, and they don't use contracts. And moreover, that is often the advice that's put forward as well of like, you don't need contracts. Just be careful on who you're taking into your containers. And I'm like, clutching my pearls over here of like, (laughs) are we sure? I mean, I would love to hear, well, one, what your thoughts are on that of these large sums of money and no contracts attached to it. But two, where do we go to find them? And obviously you are one of the resources for them. And don't worry, you guys, we will link them below. But I was just shocked when I got into these containers of like, are you serious? No one is operating with contracts? Yeah, I've seen it quite a bit. I've, I know of a couple of multiple seven-figure entrepreneurs that have come to work with me. And they're like, Andrea, I got here, but I've never done anything legally-wise. And I'm just like, oh, okay, like, let's, let's praise the Lord. But you, oh, honestly, most of those people come to me because they then did experience a big issue. So like, I get it. It's not a problem until it is. But you could also just have that peace of mind from the beginning knowing, oh, I'm buttoned up legally. I have everything in place. And those those are my favorite people to work with. But even if you haven't done anything up until this point, I still love working with you. But I love working with the people that know like, hey, I need to be buttoned up from the beginning because they're never going to question me and my authority. They're not going to question like, is this really necessary? Like, do I really need this? And usually it's those people that are scared to spend the money on the legal protection and if I'm suggesting it, then it, I'm not going to say like you 100% have to have it or else it's illegal. But yes, you really do want to have it to make sure that you are protected and you're not going to be losing 10 times that amount of money in the future. Well, if for nothing else as well, it creates a really clear relationship between you and your clients. Like I'm thinking specifically in like service providing businesses or even one-on-one coaching containers, it just creates clarity. And that's going to lessen the chance as well of somebody wanting to pursue legal action against you or wanting to break contract if they can see from the get-go, here's what I'm agreeing to and here's what I'm signing my name to versus I am just sending you a PayPal large sum of money way. And there's nothing else besides a couple DMs defining what this relationship is. So also just from going back to, like you said, heart of service, when we are in all of this, it's good for our clients as well to be able to outline, here's exactly what we're doing together and what we are both committing to so that we can both move forward with clarity into this container. 
Exactly. And I'm so glad you mentioned PayPal and the DMs. So the client I was talking to this morning, telling you perfect example, she was talking to this one client when signing her up in the DMs. And the client was like, well, it was confusing because we talked about this and we talked about that. I'm like, yeah. And that's the whole purpose of a contract to clearly define like what's final. Because anything that was discussed before the contract was signed, that doesn't matter. Whatever's in the contract, that's what rules. So even, and I I know how many people listening, you probably do sell in the DMs, which is great, but that's even more reason you want to further define and clearly define what is actually included in the contract. Because what I see happen a lot of times is they'll say one thing and you'll say, yeah, this, and you didn't really say no to their other thing, which you didn't want to include. And there's nothing that, it, there's just no clarity there. And 100%, that's what you always want. The contract is literally to just keep you both on the same page. Yep, I love that. And I love this piece of clarity. And I think it's a direction that's going to be really important in the coming years too, as the coaching industry continues to grow. I mean, it's very large now, but it's still growing and there's still more and more service providers. But I think that's going to be a big distinction of the coaches that make it and the coaches that unfortunately might fall into a little bit of trouble both with clients or retaining them is transparency. One, transparency of marketing. That's a huge issue that I've talked about on this podcast before. But two, transparency in what is actually being sold, which is everything that we are talking about right now with contracts. So for somebody listening right now who's like, shoot, I do not have a single contract in place. I have been selling in the DMs with nothing but a verbal agreement. What is their next step? How do they look into implementing this? Yeah. So honestly, I highly suggest our contract templates, which Emily will link in the show notes. And I know a lot of people get freaked out about thinking about the cost of legal stuff. Taking it back to the LLC really quickly, we charge $250 plus the filing fee to get your LLC, your operating agreement, your EIN, like everything you need to be up and running. Then for the contracts, so we sell them according to different niche bundles. So if you're a coach, you would just buy the coaching bundle, which has all the contracts that you need for $299. Like that's it. (laughs) And one contract, one custom contract by us normally is between five and $700. And then you just get all of the templates. I think the coaching bundle has like six or seven contracts. So you literally get everything that you need and it's only $300. It's incredible. And then you just kind of like plug and play because I have them, you guys. You plug and play your relevant information into them and they are super easy and you have it for life to use and to reuse. So I had Andrea come and speak to my mastermind and we went a little bit deeper on this and I just want to briefly touch on this for anybody who's curious. The difference between having somebody check a box at checkout saying, I agree to the terms versus actually sending them a contract before they join your container. Are they the same? Are they different? Do you need both? Do you just need one? All the good stuff around this. So most of the time, both are perfectly legally binding. However, what you as a small business owner, especially an online business owner, what you're wanting to protect against is chargebacks. A chargeback is when your client goes to the credit card company and they say, this was fraud, or I didn't get what I paid for. And so the credit card company reverses the charge. Because of chargebacks, you absolutely never want to use PayPal. PayPal will not protect you. And then when there is a chargeback, let's say you're using Stripe. We use Stripe for a lot of our stuff. So I think Stripe is a good option because they do have a good chargeback process for you to fight it. That chargeback process, the number one thing they're looking for is a signature. It doesn't matter if you can show like, hey, they checked the box. 
that's not going to help you. Like having a signature is going to help you. So what should you do? Check the box or a signature. I tell you whatever you're comfortable with losing. So you may have a $10 product on Stripe and you, I wouldn't want to send a signed contract for every $10 purchase. But what we do is send us a signature for our higher ticket items. And that's to make sure that if there ever is a charge, I mean, first it's to make sure all the terms are outlined and they know and they agree. However, it also is to make sure that if there ever is a chargeback, which is the most likely course of action in this case, like most likely there's not going to be a lawsuit coming from this relationship. The most likely, the worst action is a chargeback. So in order to protect against that, a signed contract is going to be your best friend. I'm not going to say rock solid, you'll win every single time, but like that is way better than having just checking the box. I kind of like that as a rule of thumb that you said of like, well, what are you willing to lose? Because if I'm thinking about it, if I have like a $47 a month membership, I'm not going to send out for signature every time. Like that just doesn't make sense. If I have to lose a couple of those, I lose a couple of those. And there's probably a line for everyone here. But in my world, I'm even like up to probably about like 500 bucks. I'm okay if I have to lose that. I would rather for ease and for getting people in the program, they just check a box. But once we get into more high level containers, we're talking about four or five figures. Yeah, I'm going to send a signature. I'm going to get you signed in the contract and I'm going to have you check the box at checkout because it just makes sense. So I, I really like that you outline it of like, well, okay, what are you willing to let go of here? What are you willing to lose in the case that there is a chargeback? I think that most people, when they get a chargeback, the consensus is just like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm curious just quickly in that case, if somebody does have that happen with a higher investment product, like so let's say one that they do want to get that reversed on, where do they go? Like just as a quick reference, I'm like, selfishly, this is a question I have. What's the place that you go to see if you can get that overturned? So normally, no matter who the processor is with Stripe, it's in your dashboard. They give you an opportunity to provide evidence and show like, hey, show however, you know, it's not fraud or they did get what they paid for. And what I tell clients is provide literally every single thing you can. If you have communication with the client, if you have the signature, obviously, if you have any proof that they're using what they paid for, provide all of that because you're just wanting to show like, hey, they're lying their ass off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's through the the processor and that's why you were like, don't use PayPal because they are not so good for it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. PayPal, like they're the absolute worst. And they state in their terms, like they're not going to protect service providers, coaches. So don't use them. Yeah. And I will tell you, I did just have a client that had a big chargeback on Stripe. It was... Ten or $12,000 and she won. I helped her fill all that. She's a legal preneur member. So I helped her create the response to Stripe to gather all that information and she ended up winning. That's awesome. Okay, see, this stuff is all, this is important, you guys. Everybody go get your contracts after this. Make sure we've got it all our ducks in a row. <laughs> okay, let's talk about IP because this is very relevant to us as online business owners as well. Yes, this is my jam, my favorite. So intellectual property is threefold, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Patents are inventions of new things. Probably not many of you have patents, but if you ever invent something, feel free to let me know. I will introduce you to a patent attorney. It's not something that I do though. But what I do love is trademarks and copyrights. Now, these are probably two of the most misused terms with entrepreneurs and you want to make sure that you don't get them confused. 
So the easiest way to know the difference, trademarks equal branding, copyrights equal content. So trademarks, this is your brand identity, anything that identifies your brand, your brand name, your logo, your slogan, a product name, a service name, a podcast name, a course name, a program name. Typically, it's the names of things within your business. And then copyrights are your content, your creative work, your photos, videos, blog posts, each podcast episode. So one easy way to think about it is the name of a product is your trademark or the name of a course program. It's all a trademark. What goes inside of it, the videos, the photos, the content, all of that is protected with a copyright. And the interesting thing about copyrights is you automatically have federal protection the moment the work is created. You don't have to have a copyright registration. But you do have to have a federal trademark registration in order to have federal trademark rights. And I always tell clients, typically your money is better spent on a trademark application than a copyright application because of the power a trademark registration gets you. So for somebody who's growing like a signature online coaching program or something of that nature, an online course, something digital, is there a stage in the game where you suggest, okay, now's a good time to look into getting that trademarked? Or is it something like do it day one? So if money is not an issue, always day one. You want to make sure everything's protected as quickly as possible. However, I have worked with so many small business owners, most of who have no legal budget. And so I tell them, it's when you have momentum. And what I mean by momentum is typically you'll start your small business, your online business, and you're like, oh, I'm trying to make this work. Maybe it's a side hustle, you're moonlighting, whatever it is, you're trying to make it work. It's when you make that shift from trying to make it work to, oh, this is absolutely a thing. Like this is here to stay. Like I'm not just trying anymore. Like it's a thing. When you make that shift, like that's the latest that you should file the trademark application. And why I say the latest is because right now the trademark office, it's taking at least 14 months to get registered. So if you file today, you're not going to be registered until 2025. Okay. I'm like, wow, I got to get on my trademarks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my brain's going in a couple of different directions. One is, should people be factoring this into the naming of their programs? Like, should they be looking up from day one, what names are not already trademarked? And if so, how do they do that? Yes, because trademark infringement can happen even if somebody doesn't have a federal trademark. And I know there's so many nuances to trademarks, so I'm going to try not to try not to confuse anyone. But first things first, trademark infringement doesn't just occur when it's the same exact name. It can be when there's any similar name selling similar goods or services and it's so similar that consumers are likely to be confused as to who is who. So, for example, my law firm is Andrea Sager Law. If there's Andrea Sager Legal or Andrew Seeger Law Firm or any variation, that's trademark infringement because most likely my clients are going to think, hey, that is that Andrea? Like, is that her over there? However, if there's Andrea Sager, the handbag company, that is not trademark infringement because it's not likely that my clients would think I own a handbag company. 
yes, I am talking about legal names. So if you are, have a personal brand with your legal name, that also needs to be protected with a trademark. Think about all the fashion designers, Kate Spade, Calvin Klein, Rebecca Minkoff, like they all have federal trademarks on their legal names. So I could literally get a federal trademark for Emily Sincata. Coaching, would it have to be attached to like coaching? So it depends on how it's publicly displayed. So if it's on your website, Emily Sincata coaching, then yes, that's how you would want to file. But if you have just Emily Sincata on your website, you can just file Emily Sincata. Okay. So then once I have it filed, what is the added benefit to me for making that investment to get the trademark? So the number one benefit that I explain to clients today, especially to online businesses, is once you're registered, you don't even have to get an attorney involved to enforce your trademark. So, because like I, I keep saying, like, I'm not going to sue anybody. You don't want to sue anyone. Like, that's the last resort. So everything that I talk about is trying to prevent that lawsuit. But you still have to do these things to protect your brand. So once you have that registration, you can then submit takedowns online for trademark infringement. So Legalpreneur, the day that I got the Legalpreneur trademark, I went to Instagram because there was a dormant account for Legalpreneur and the Legalpreneur submitted trademark takedowns, which means, hey, these are infringing on my trademark. So you need to remove them. And they did. They did that within like 24, 48 hours. And then I said, hey, I want, I need, I want one of those accounts because it's my, it's my trademark. So they gave them to me. So now we go through every few months, a couple times a year, and we'll look for all the legalpreneur names online and we'll just submit takedowns for them. Wow. So, okay, I hope I'm not stumbling into too nuanced of a question here, but if I'm hearing you correctly, if, for example, somebody has the Emily Sincata handle on a social media platform, if I were to go get that trademarked, I could have them take that down once that trademark is, is approved, even if they had it first? So that if it's for a personal account, it is trickier because if it's just for personal reasons, it's not trademark infringement because it's only trademark infringement if they're using it for commercial purposes. In that case, though, however, I do tell a lot of people, like, just offer them a couple hundred bucks, see if they'll give you the name. Yeah. I love that you're saying, though, that, like, your whole goal is to avoid suing and being sued because I'm just laughing even thinking about this, how every single day on TikTok, when I look in comments, people are like, sue sue that person. Girl, you have a lawsuit on your hands. I'm like, are you serious, everyone? <laughs> like, we don't want to be suing everybody every day. That does not sound fun. So I love that you have the opposite approach. Also, you guys, shout out to Andrea's TikTok. She is so good on there, just debunking all of the myths and the nonsense that you see. So please follow Andrea on TikTok if you do not already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And right now, if anybody's on TikTok and they're like on business side of TikTok, so many attorneys out there are posting about this new reporting requirement in the new year. Like if you don't get this filled out, there's a $500 a day penalty, which there is. But like I said, if you already had an LLC prior to 2024, you have a whole year. But like they're out there like, if you don't file this, you're gonna have to pay $500 a day. And then even if you file it January 1st, 2024, you have 90 days. So like, yes, there is a new reporting requirement, but you have time. So don't believe any of those assholes. <laughs> See, this is why we need, everybody needs a you. Everybody needs to get into Legalpreneur, which before we talk about it to wrap up, I have one final question for you on this conversation of IP and intellectual property, which is something that 
it used to happen to me a lot on my old account that was a little bit bigger, but people would take my content and literally repost it on their pages. And I'm wondering if that is infringement in any way. And if it is, what you can do about it, like what you have that legally protects you or if that's just part of the game. Yeah, so it's probably copyright infringement. Like if there's a long form caption and a creative enough graphic, either one of those is enough to be copyright infringement. So where I said trademarks, you can submit a trademark takedown if you have the registration. Copyrights, you can submit a copyright takedown and you don't need that registration because you automatically have those rights. So let's say it's on Instagram. You just Google Instagram copyright takedown. There's going to be a form that comes up and that form, you fill it out. They're going to ask for proof, like show us where you posted it first or show proof that you had it first. Or I can't remember. I haven't personally filled out those in years. Uh, My paralegals do that now. But you just submit screenshots, honestly, and then it'll get removed within a couple of days. Okay, awesome. I mean, that that's great to know that there there is some sort of legal protection around that. And it's all because of the copyrights. And you don't have to do anything to have a copyright. Once you create it, you've got one. Exactly. All right. So everybody, like I said, needs an Andrea in their back pocket or one of your paralegals in their back pocket. So can you tell us a little bit before we wrap about Legalpreneur, the membership, what it all entails and how they can access it? Yeah. So the Legalpreneur membership, that's really like the one-stop shop, like the creme de la creme of what you need as a small business owner. It has grown so much over the years, but I'm finally, I'm excited to say that it finally just has everything in it. Unlimited emails, you get all access to your own attorney with unlimited emails, a phone call every month, you get document review. So if somebody's sending you a contract or you're sending somebody a contract to be signed, we can review it first. And side note, I just had somebody send me a, a contract today and I've seen this before and I was like, girlfriend, that's a scam. Like, do not sign that. Do not send them money. So <laughs> I just saved her $2,000 with a five minute email earlier. You get all of our contract templates. So in our contract vault, there's over a hundred contract templates. I think there's probably like 120, 130 now. You get access to all of those. We do a business audit for you. We'll file the LLC for you. We'll file your trademark for you. Like it literally includes everything. So that is really everything that you need as a small business owner to make sure you are thoroughly legally protected. And that is 500 a month, or you can pay up front to save $1,000. So 5000 for the year. Wow. Fantastic. You guys, this is a steal of a deal. Please go check it out. We will link it in the show notes below. I know a lot of my mastermind members have already jumped into this because once you start diving into the world of making sure that you are set up legally and appropriately and you have all of your ducks in a row, you realize really just how important this is. So please go check it out. Please give Andrea a shout out after this and thank her for all of the wisdom that she has dropped. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with everybody here. Thank you. All right, you guys, I will see you in the next one. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. 
Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.